0: In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Three in One, who continues to give us grace, no matter what covenant we look at. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, having a yearbook like this one that I showed to the kids is kind of a funny thing. And it's a funny thing not just because of the pictures that are inside of it, but also because of this habit that we have in our culture of, of writing things on the, the inside cover and uh, write, writing different stuff and um, uh, so um, uh, just, just a few uh, different things, um, uh, so uh, th- this, this comes from Wendy, uh, Wendy sat in front of me in, in algebra and um, uh, Jay, you're one of the coolest guys I know. You've been a great friend. I hope we become better friends in the future. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. Call me sometime. And she leaves her phone number. Have a great summer. Uh, And P.S., I love the Andre the Giant stickers, which I I gave her. Um, And... um, So, so, uh, then then there's there's Scott here. Uh, Jay, it's been a great year. Hope we're in a lot of the same classes next year. Scott. Um, And uh, let's see what it looks like on the the back here. Um, uh, Jay. Hey, hope you had a great sophomore year. Hope to see ya, like C-Y-A, at church. Yep. Uh, Beth and I went to the same church. Uh, English was a lot of fun. Have a good summer, Beth. Um, And uh, let's see if I can find just uh, one more good one. Um, uh, Well, I have to uh, read this one. Jay, what's up, homie, g slice. I hope you get a real good free legging, whatever that meant. That's the way it's supposed to be, Ross dog with two G's. And so you can tell by, by all of these uh, things that, that people have written that, um, you know, they, there was um, quite a bit of, of promise Back then, it's sort of what sophomore year is like. You're no longer a freshman. You're you're becoming um, an upperclassman, but you're not quite there yet. And and there's this promise that you have about life and a promise that you have uh, about what the future will be. And um, uh, there's this sense that we all had of just kind of wondering what we were going to do in the future. And um, uh, Jeff Meyer wrote this in my yearbook. Jay, this year has been cool. See you next year. Uh, Keep up the tags. Jeff Meyer. And uh, Jeff Meyer died of leukemia about three years ago. And his promise ended there. At least in this life. And... That's one of the the weird things about yearbooks, that when you start getting older, you start flipping through these pages, and sometimes you you forget who the people are, and sometimes you you recognize the people, and you realize that they have moved on in a whole variety of ways, and some of them have moved on to heaven, and some of them have moved on out of your town, and some of them have just moved wherever, and you you begin to realize that um, these things get kind of dated. And not just your picture in your yearbook gets dated, but actually a lot of who you were. Because there are things that happen to you in high school. There are things that describe who you are in high school that they come to an end. And they come to this, Uh, sort of sometimes tragic end where uh, you you think that you're going to be a pre-med major in college and you get to college and you flunk your first math class and that's over. (laughs) And then you decide that you're going to be a dancer. And then that is over after somebody sees you dance. And... there's, there's these things in our lives that seem to have sort of expiration dates on them. And I think sometimes that is the way that we look at the Old Covenant. That is the way that we look at what is put before us when we take a look at the Old Testament. We hear this story this morning of Abraham and God's promise to Abraham. And we go, well, yeah, that's kind of some nice background information. I kind of get who Abraham is. Um, It's kind of cool that God changes his name and changes his wife's name. But what does that have to do with me? And then you get into the New Testament stuff, and maybe you're, you're sort of like, oh, oh, this is my part. This is where I am getting something out of this. And so you're listening to, uh, you're, you're listening to what Paul has to say, and you go, okay, yeah, that, that's me. Or you, you listen to what Jesus has to say to uh, the crowds, and he's saying, you must take up your cross and follow me. And maybe you're thinking, well, okay, that is being said directly to me. Because we have this tendency to sort of disassociate the stuff that is in the Old Testament and associate with the stuff that is in the New Testament. And there is some good reason for that. The good reason for that is that most of us sitting in this room uh, have no Jewish background. Not many of us can probably say that we are are sons and daughters of Israel, at least in the sense that we say, well, that's my ethnicity, that's my heritage. I I celebrate Passover every year because of it or whatever. We we don't have that, that sense of identity that lands us as being children of Abraham. And so, because we don't have that sense of identity, then we say, oh, well, well, okay, I guess that's nice and all. Um, and then we get to the Nunc Dimittis. Have you, you've sung the Nunc Dimittis at least once, if you were here uh, for, with us for, for any of the Lents, because we always sing it. And in that, it talks all about how um, there's this sense of, of a promise to Israel. And we begin to wonder, well, okay, what does that mean? And then we get to, oh, oh, and a light to the Gentiles. Thank goodness, we have a spot. But realistically, that's not the way that, that the Bible works. The way that the Bible works is that they, there are uh, two covenants, and those two covenants actually work together that those two covenants are, are part of the, the same thing. They're a part of the same God. They're a part of the same almighty being who has sent us Jesus Christ. And so that the stuff that happened before Jesus came on earth in our sense of history is actually just as meaningful for us today as, what it, as the stuff that came after Jesus Came and lived in our history. And where you see that in the readings today is actually in the Psalm. The Psalm is actually, uh, as the scholars have looked at it, it's, it's a liturgical kind of back and forth. And what it is, is I mean, we're not very good at this in, in Lutheran land, but what it is, is it's an opportunity for a testimony. And so there's this one guy who's getting up. And he is giving his testimony. And uh, we kind of jump into the middle of his testimony. I'm sorry about that. If you want to read the rest of Psalm 22, you can. Um, uh, There are Bibles here. If you need one, they're back there. Take them with you. Um, There is this one here who belongs to another campus minister. He hasn't picked it up for several weeks, so he probably doesn't need it. There's probably a lot of really good notes in there, so you can take that one. Um, and, And I'll just tell him, hey, it's your loss. You didn't pick it up soon enough. Um, And that has the Psalms in it as well. And in fact, even if you get that cheap little uh, New Testament thing from the Gideons, when they're handing out orange New Testaments on this campus, which I really don't get, they should probably be garnet or gold, not orange. But when they give those out, the, the Psalms are always in there as well. And so it's sort of like we, maybe we don't want to listen to the story about Abraham as being about us. But when we hear the Psalms, we go, well, that's my jam. And so we, we read this. And so Psalm 22 starts off, you who fear the Lord, praise him. All you offspring of Jacob. Uh, oh, who's Jacob? Well, if you haven't read your Old Testament recently, you probably don't know. Well, Jacob is this guy who wrestles with God, and when he wrestles with God, God actually, uh, it says, touches him in the hip. Now, I have a feeling that that touch is a a pretty significant touch because Jacob walks with a limp for the rest of his life after he touches him. So uh, don't touch your friends like this. But God touches him in the hip, and he walks with a limp. And when he does that, he gives him a new name. He gives him a new name, a new name that is Israel. And, and we're, all of a sudden we're like, oh, oh, I know that one. That's that little New Jersey-sized thing over in the Middle East. I know Israel. And, and so who he's talking to here is Israel. He, he's talking to people who are ethnically Hebrew, who are ethnically Jewish. And, and so this guy in his Testimony is saying, listen up, all of you people who have my same ethnicity as the psalmist, who is also a Hebrew. And he's saying, listen up to me, you who fear the Lord, praise him. All you offspring of Jacob, glorify him and stand in awe of him. All you, the offspring of Israel. And so I think this is about the point in which we start reading the Psalms and we start going, well, that's not about me. That's obviously about people who have this ethnicity, because he's talking about offspring. He's talking about um, this lineage. He's, he's talking about uh, this sense that, well, it, it's OK for them. I think sometimes we get this sense in Lutheranism, unfortunately, where we go, well, I was born a Lutheran. You weren't. I was born to Lutheran parents, Lutheran missionary parents, and I was not born a Lutheran. I was not even baptized a Lutheran. I was baptized as a Christian. And then later on, I think the, the most that I can say that, that I was, you know, when I got the Lutheran was when I was confirmed And I stood up in front of a congregation and I said, well, yeah, I actually think that this stuff is right. And so we have this sense of an ethnicity here in the Psalms, and we have a sense of ethnicity a lot of times in the way that we practice our faith. And yet that sense of ethnicity is nebulous at best. It goes on. For he, that means God, has not despised or have heard the affliction of the afflicted. And he has not hidden his face from him, but he has heard when he cried to him. From you, God, comes my praise. This is still the individual in the great congregation. My vows I will perform before those who fear him. The afflicted shall eat and be satisfied. Those who seek him shall praise the Lord. May your hearts live forever. And so this lone psalmist, this lone person who is is speaking this psalm in this congregation and is telling about God's goodness for him in this congregation of all of these gathered Hebrews and all of these gathered Israelites, and he himself is a Hebrew and an Israelite, he says, I'm going to tell you of all of the great things that he has done for us, for our ethnicity. And I think sometimes we can do that with the sense that we have of being Lutheran or even uh, perhaps um, being Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, or whatever it might be, that we have this sense that, well, you know, we've got it. Because really that's what happens when you get to this point of the Old Covenant is you you begin to start thinking that some people have it and some people don't. And when you look through your yearbook, you get that sense that some people have it and some people don't. And so you have this sort of sense that, well, the person who was voted the most likely to succeed will obviously be the person who is most likely to succeed. The person, at least one year, who was voted most likely to succeed in my high school yearbook, ended up getting on coke and working at Arby's. I Maybe mean, he succeeded there. But there, there's kind of this, this tension. With what, what do we do with, with all of this stuff? What do we do with all of these old promises? Because we understand because of that most likely to whatever thing that that doesn't always happen. That's why it's most likely to not. This will absolutely happen. And so it then continues and it continues. All the ends of the earth shall remember what did you hear that? All of the earth, all of the ends of the earth, ends of the earth. We're not just talking Israel anymore. All of the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord. And the families of the nations shall worship before you, for kingship belongs to the Lord and he rules over the nations. Plural all of the prosperous of the earth shall eat and worship. Oh, that, that was just the same thing that was being done with just the Israelite people. They were eating and, and worshiping, and now all of a sudden, everybody is eating and worshiping before him. Shall bow down all who go down to the dust, even the one who cannot keep himself alive. Posterity shall serve him, and it shall be told to the Lord of the Lord. In the coming generation, they shall come and proclaim his righteousness to a people yet unborn that he has done it a people yet unborn a people that have yet to be born in our day that babies that are in the womb right now that this applies to them. That children that are not even in the womb yet, but we know that children will be born, we know that their coming generations will eat and worship the Lord. And that this is being said by this Jewish psalmist Way back before Jesus Christ was ever even anything. It makes us wonder how that works. How does that come together? And the way that it comes together is it comes together with Jesus. Jesus is the connection between the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. And so today what we learned about the Old Covenant is that the Old Covenant said that Abraham will have... Many, many, many descendants. And then you start looking at the way that Israel is going, and you start taking a look at birth rates, and you start going, well, I don't know that I would say that that's many, many, many descendants. Children of Abraham, you're you're not that numerous. And so maybe he's talking about something else, and he is. Because what he's talking about is the fact that you can claim, and I wouldn't claim this on your FAFSA, but you can claim that you are a Hebrew. You can claim that you are a child of Abraham. Now, ethnically, you, you know that you're not. But in the eyes of God, you are. That word Israel I mentioned before it means one who strove with God, one who who wrestled with God and you're allowed to strive with God in fact that's what we do when we, we grapple these big questions about our faith is we strive with God we are Israelites in the sense that we have this faith in us that attempts to figure out what is going on with the Almighty. But there's even more to that story. There's more to that story in this. That when God touched him in his hip and gave him that name, Israel named that place Penuel. And the name Penuel in, in Hebrew, it means something specific. And, uh, and, and Israel actually goes on to explain this. He says, it was when I saw God, Panim e Panim, which means face to face. That is what we get because of the new covenant. We get this ability to see God face to face because we believe that he died on that cross for us. To unite us with his old covenant, taking the new covenant and combining them in front of us in the person of Christ so that we can connect to the story of Abraham and connect to the story of Jesus So that we can connect to both of those things because of who Jesus Christ is. And that one day, because we know that Jesus Christ is Savior and Lord, that we will see Him. Not as a face in a yearbook, but face to face. Amen. Amen.